We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which the Sound As Ever podcast was made, the people of the Eastern Kulin Nations, and pay our respects to their ancestors and elders, past, present and future, and through them to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. We acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded. Welcome to Sound As Ever, an Australian Music Vault podcast created by music industry, journalism and sound design students at RMIT University. This podcast celebrates iconic pieces of music created by Australians from an array of backgrounds, casting an eye to our country's cultural future. Please be aware that there is some strong language used in this episode. My name is Agnes, or Egg. I play vocals and various screaming sounds and the guitar. I'm Isabel. I'm just a bass player, but it's a busy role. <laughs> I'm Ave. I'm lead guitarist and sometimes backup vocalist, just like Isabel. Oh, you yeah. didn't mention that. that. Yeah. I'm Kingsley Shaker. I'm Addie Ringwald, and we're here to do a podcast about feminism in the Melbourne punk scene. We'll also be talking about political climate and how that affects the punk scene in Melbourne, but mainly about how the Melbourne music scene is changing in terms of inclusivity and trying to make the Melbourne music scene more diverse. How the dialogue around having women and gender diverse people and neurodiverse people and people of colour, how the conversation around that has shifted in the last few years, and especially looking at that dialogue through the song Bitch Rising by Hextet. And victimize the perpetrator that you despise, regurgitate and compromise in spite, in spite. Hextet are a Melbourne queer punk band who have gained popularity over the last couple of years. The single Bitch Rising was released in September 2017. So what was the inspiration for the song Bitch Rising? It's a funny story. <laughs> okay, so one day Isabel and I were... We were walking home from the tote and we were a little bit drunk and we were the ri- riling each other. <laughs> we were kind of like, we do this thing, we incite each other a little bit. Like we like really whip each other into a frenzy sometimes. And I was like, you know what? I really would love to have a lyric one day that just says my boyfriend's friends never like me. And we were just walking down the street, just like yelling it together, like, my boyfriend's friends never like me, my boyfriend's Into the Collingwood night. Yeah. And um, incidentally, the next practice, Ave had come up with this really cool, moody bass line and like basically had like already written the skeleton of the song. And Agnes and I were like, oh, this fits really well with this idea that we were talking about last week. So it was very spur of the moment. I always write down little things that people in the band like we'll say, because we talk a lot about things that end up being in songs. It's very un- unintentional a lot of the time. Mm. But the I think it was just like a meme that was going around at the time where everyone was just superimposing concepts as star sign like triads. So people would be like... I have a Marge Simpson son. Yeah. yeah. I am a Maggie Rising. One of them was like Melbourne stereotypes. <laughs> and... Yeah, I think that um, the idea of a, of a bitch rising is something that a lot of people around us could relate to as well because, you know, that was around the time of, like, not wanting to be forced to smile just because you're fem-presenting. Mm, um, the concept of, like, a resting bitch face. And softening yourself yeah. for the public. 
that was something that we were really angry about. <laughs> okay, so where do you guys feel that um, Hextet sits within the queer and feminist punk scene in Melbourne? And then where do you feel you sit in the punk scene more broadly? It's mm, a good question. Well, it's like, what is the punk scene? <laughs> yeah, this is, I feel like this is a really difficult yeah. question to answer because we've definitely seen it change in five years. Mm. A lot of aspects of what you, you know, identify as the punk scene have kind of become dishevelled. I think queer punk is a very separate thing from punk made by edgelords. I would think that we're part of a queer punk movement, which I see as entirely separate from various other branches of punk. It's funny. I think that all of these different like movements in punk have similar ideals, but maybe they go off into different groups for other reasons. Like, you know, a lot of the more DIY crusty punk scenes of Melbourne would be feminist and would be queer and like have pretty diverse like heaps of people of colour and everything as well. They're just like a different style of the music itself. And it's interesting, like, there's less crossover between that crusty DIY and the more, like, post-punk feminist and queer zone that Hexted are in, even though we do share some of these values, which is interesting. To add to that, I also think that we sit within a an aspect of the music scene which is queering genre as well as, you know, the people involved because whilst, you know, of course, we identify with punk music. We're inspired and, you know, love to support a lot of genres which have, which I would say are punk in ethos, mm-hmm. which is maybe more important because the whole point of punk, you know, is something that definitely evolves over time. We also talked to Rory from the PBS show Fangit for a bit of extra context on the punk scene in Melbourne. My name is Rory. Uh, I host a show on PBS in Melbourne called Fangit which is a, uh, a rock and roll radio show. Uh, I also play in a, a punk band in Melbourne called The Fuck Ups. Uh, and I have been out and about in the Melbourne music scene doing my thing as a punter and as a radio person and as a sound guy. And just, as, just, just I, I love it. In some ways, it's the gritty underbelly of a city. But in other ways, it's a very honest face. Punk will generally tell the truth. The entire point of punks is that they don't give too many dams about your feelings on the subject. As a result of that, um, and this, this is true not just of punks, but of, I think of music in general, is that it's a truth-telling device. It's a way for people to say what they feel and what they mean and, and without having to, to dress it up or dress it down or be polite or worry about your feelings or potentially say uh, worry about anybody's feelings or, or, or being misconstrued. If you want to say uh, 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 Tony Abbott's a prick, then you just say, Tony Abbott's a prick. We just wrote a song called Tony Abbott's a prick. Here it's a one, two, three, four, Tony Abbott's a prick. And that's what punk can do. It shines a filthy, dirty mirror uh, onto uh, the society that it, it, it finds itself in. And that's been true of punk since punk was punk. Could I, could I put a f- single defining thing upon what makes an Australian punk sound? No, I can't because punk is, is universal. It's across the world. Our Australian punk bands tour everywhere. They go across the world playing city after city after city and they're generally very well received. You'll find Australian punks playing in Indonesia and you'll find Australian punks playing in Berlin and they're doing really well because we have that 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 Aussiness about it. If you try and put your finger on it, Again, you, you're coming dangerously close to the question, which is a terrible question, which you should always never, never, ever, ever ask of what is punk, because that's a question that can't, shouldn't, and will never be answered.
Often media have drawn comparisons between women and punk in the riot girl movement of the 90s. While they acknowledged its contribution, Hextet made sure to highlight why they found this to be a sometimes unhelpful dialogue when it comes to their music. Um, well, I was actually thinking a lot about this because I read a really interesting piece written by a Vietnamese-American person. I can't remember their name right now. But they were talking about sort of like the ethos of Riot Girl and DIY punk and how it's shaped modern punk scenes and how one of the biggest parts of Riot Girl in 90s feminism was that we had to overcome adversity through understanding and loving and being close to each other and sympathising, but that it was quite damaging for minority groups like people of colour because a lot of white feminists would be like, oh, I just need to, like, know you and understand you and then I need to, like, have you as a friend so that I'm, like, a good feminist now. And I think that that ethos from Riot Girl sometimes seeps into the community here and I feel like people are like, oh, we need to make sure that we know more people of colour so we can put them on our lineups and be mm-hmm. good, but it's like you're not listening to their actual thing. And I feel like when I read that it was like finally all this stuff that I felt that I hadn't been able to articulate before it was really interesting. And so I think there is heaps of stuff about like Riot Girl and DIY punk that is great, like that we should take from and, like, that sense of compassion and community is really awesome, but also it has this dark side that I think is good to be wary of. Yeah, and it's also not realistic to say that that started these movements. Mm. Um, it's true that most of those people from the Riot Girl movement specifically mm. are white Americans. Mm. Um, punk isn't a white genre. Mm. It wasn't started by white people. Um, wasn't started by, you know, like a lot of women of colour were involved in it in its origins mm. way before Riot Girl in the 90s. Mm. I just um, meant it influences this Melbourne little oh, bit. Big, yeah, yeah, big yeah. time, yeah. yeah. No, because defi- of the visibility. It definitely does, it, yeah. but I think it mm. influences everyone's idea of women in punk yeah. and queers in punk. It's not it's not L7 and Bikini Kill. Like there is more <laughs> to it than that. Yeah, yeah. Um, like totally. there's, there's a whole back catalogue of like artists that started a long time ago before that and I think it's important to recognise that and also recognise that like it's been a long time since the 90s mm. like the 90s was actually a long time ago and there's a lot that's <laughs> happened since then that was pretty so it doesn't <laughs> it is true that it is heavily influential but like at mm. the same time it's almost like every band that gets up you know group of women who gets up on stage is referred to as like a Le Tigre-esque thing and it's just not true. It's boring. <laughs> like it is, yeah. it's and just there's so much more. But I think musically like Hextet don't sound anything like any of that so I find it so insulting when people, like I've read reviews when people have compared us to bands that we just don't sound like and I'm like, come on, you could just do a little bit more research. Like our influences aren't obscure. They're just or, not yeah, what you Or like you don't even need to do research. You can just come and ask us like yeah. what are you influenced by because yeah. we won't say Bikini Kill. Yeah. Like, it's just, I mean, yeah, like. When I was 15 and I heard about Bikini Kill, I was like, this is the best shit ever. <laughs> but like, and there's no doubt about that. But yeah. there's been a lot since then, as yeah. I was saying before. And, like, yeah, it's just it's just lazy. It's mm. really, really, really lazy mm. behaviour. In the last few years, the vocal minority of women, gender-diverse people and people of colour have been changing the dialogue around inclusivity in the Melbourne music scene. 
However, this has not yet led to an overall change in the music industry. As statistics explored by Drs. Catherine Strong and Sarah Rain in 2018 show that women are underrepresented in almost all areas of the industry. We also spoke to Eve Frazier, who runs an organization called Gender Pies that audits and tracks gender diversity and is working towards tracking other forms of diversity in various different venues in Melbourne. Gender Pies is a study of Melbourne venues that's based around analysing the number of performers who are male and non-male at venues around Melbourne to see how much effort venues are putting to correct gender imbalances. Um, And how did Gender Pies get started? At the end of 2018, I had a series of conversations with a booker from a local Melbourne venue and I'd gone to him with some concerns about the venue and how none of their, or very few of their lineup contained equal representation or any non-male performers. And this booker was quite hostile and um, he was condescending and rude and didn't really accept my concerns or attempt to address them. So in order to prove a point to him, I did an audit of four months of the venue's performances from 2018. And the result was that only 11% of performers at that venue had been non-male. What are your thoughts or what's your perspective on diversity in the Melbourne music scene? Um, There's been quite a lot of change over the last three to five years, I think. I mean, from what I've seen, people are putting a lot more effort into at least including gender diversity as a necessity on their lineups. But there's definitely much further to go. I know that, for example, that a lot of venues around Melbourne have in their worksheets a requirement that artists book, you know, gender diverse lineups. But not many of them actually follow up on this or, you know, enforce this artist. So, you know, it's there, but it's not being followed up. I think also, like, regardless of, you know, it becoming normalised, I never want to get to a point personally where I'm like, okay, it's fixed. Mm. You know, I think inclusivity is something that you have to persevere for because there's, you know, there's broad categories that we understand now maybe in certain circles, but then I'm sure there's so many subcategories of inclusivity that we don't understand, like how people access music, how they can feel like they're a part of something that's always going to be something that needs to be fluid. And I know that Gender Pies looks at female and non-male performers, uh, but what's your perspective on diversity in the Melbourne music scene when it comes to uh, representation of queer performers or performers of colour and other sorts of diversity? Yeah, well, that's the thing that needs to happen next. And really, I mean, this should be happening all together. There needs to be an intersectional approach. There's people starting to do it, but there's no... I haven't seen any real concerted efforts to make things that aren't specific events, but I haven't seen a push by any venues or a kind of scene-wide push to include, you know, other marginalised people, like people of colour and, you know, people experiencing disabilities or homelessness or anything else. I think as well that our current political climate (laughs) is a very, 
very, very big thing. It was very, very broad. And, you know, you could see it as just being Melbourne and the way that it affects people in Melbourne. But something really fantastic about, you know, aside from the music in general that we're making, the ethos that kind of seems to emanate from that definitely connects us with people who are talking about the same things that we're talking about interstate and in different areas. It connects us with people in a way that we are then basically on a big, you can imagine it as a forum, and people are talking about how the different edges of this political climate are affecting them in different ways. And it, and it actually opens up our insight as to the ways that we are sheltered from that as well. There have been some positive things to come out of the improved dialogue around inclusivity in the music scene in Melbourne, with programs such as Girls Rock hopefully contributing to a more inclusive and diverse future. We spoke to Shannon from Girls Rock about the goals they are trying to achieve in that area. Girls Rock is a worldwide movement of organizations all working together to educate and empower youth and address the issue of gender diversity in music. Girls Rock, I think, empowers female trans and gender diverse youth by creating this safe space where they can come and explore their creativity, explore their identity, uh, make friends that support them. They get access to instruments. We provide all the instruments at the program so they get to try new things and feel like they are encouraged to just explore creatively and not worry about ever making a mistake and feeling like everyone got their back and is there to kind of hold them up and basically just praise and support them through whatever they want to do during that week. Um, So I think that we're all pretty aware of the fact that there are more male musicians playing gigs out in Melbourne than female and I think across Australia and pretty much the world that's kind of the, the position we're in right now and What we are trying to do is support people from their youth so that they feel comfortable and like they have a right to make noise and a right to try instruments and that making mistakes isn't a reason to not play and um, to to find people that look like you that you can look up to and um, that you can work towards being like. You know, I think it's hard for young people to know that they can play an instrument or be the front person of a band or be the drummer or whatever if they've never seen that before. We're trying really hard to support people from the very beginning as well as strengthen the adult community of people who volunteer with us. And I think a lot of the people we meet who are volunteering with us are doing really interesting and amazing things for increasing gender diversity. So like they might host a gig and then they can ask the bands that they know through volunteering um, to play or You know, I've learned about a lot of new bands that I didn't know existed. And so when I'm putting together a lineup for one of my own bands, I'll think, um, you know, I really want a diverse lineup. And I saw this this friend of mine who volunteers with Girls Rock, um, their band the other day, and I really want to get them on. And so I think it's um, kind of just spreading the, I don't know, there's like a ripple effect of what we're doing that we're all meeting new people and expanding the network and helping to drive that change by making it more at the forefront of people's minds, perhaps. Hextet, on the whole, seem cautiously optimistic about the future of the music industry in Melbourne and the future of the music industry in general. 
I think we all need each other because, you know, our perspective as a band still has its limits. You know, we all have things that stop us from understanding, like, the oppression of other people who we can't relate to and we need them so that we can understand that and, like, we all have something to offer each other in navigating this really big political climate (laughs) that is scary. But that's no reason not to take it on and I think that Mm. um, this is also why... We do fit so well within a post-punk genre, you know, apparently, because we just decided... I mean, it wasn't even a decision. When we came together to make music, it was just quite obvious that we were going to be talking about things that, you know, we weren't going to be afraid to engage with Mm. politics and we weren't going to talk about things that didn't, like, you know... Like our, our love lives and stuff obviously matter to us and we do have emotions surrounding that, but it was like well, that's not what this music was ever going to be about, you know what I mean? Or if it was, it would be in the context of a wider idea, like a wider political Mm. idea. Totally. You've been listening to Sound As Ever, an Australian Music Vault podcast produced by RMIT music industry students Addie Ringwald, Kingsley Shaker and Hayden Ryan, with interviews from journalism students Katie McLeod, John T. Ridley and Maddie Troster, alongside sound design by D.A. Calf. Yeah.